Amen. You know, in my news feed yesterday, I was sitting there at the computer and, and comes this news feed. It's a, uh, a video from Bill Mahar. And uh, he was, I'm sorry, just the irony of it's hilarious. He was saying, you know, it's, it's Easter Sunday next week and, you know, and how the Muslims are asking for Ramadan to be an official holiday and the White House recognizes Christmas and Easter. And he said, you know, with one-third of America being atheists, he said, we need an atheist day. Right? Why don't we have an atheist day? And the great irony struck me that the video, he posted the video yesterday on April Fool's, which is atheist day, because the Bible says the fool said in his heart, there is no God. Amen? And he posted it on atheist day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I thought that was hilarious. I just, I couldn't help it. I just started laughing at the whole concept, and he posted it on April Fool's. I mean, that's just... You know, the, you can't get, you just can't make this stuff up. It's just too good. And, uh, you know, our God is not only alive, he's good. He's good, amen? And he loves you and he, he adopts you into his family. And the whole concept that atheists have of God being some austere, punishing, bad person that you have to live up to his standards is built on religious nonsense that has nothing to do with the God that we know. Amen? Instead, he's a father who invites us into his family and invites us not as strangers or foreigners, but as family members, sons and daughters, to sit around the table with him, to rejoice and to celebrate. And that he has, the Bible says he's promised us good things. And you'll notice many of the songs that we sing here at the church are about the goodness of God. Because we believe that God desires to do good things for his children. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. Amen? That doesn't mean that, that bad things don't happen in our life, but God has a way of bringing light out of darkness, good out of evil, uh, and, and bringing love and, 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 and forgiveness and grace out of pain and hardship. That's our God. Amen? He's able to do that. Amen? So, Father, today in this place, we're so grateful that, Lord, when we come to you in prayer, we don't come as people checking it off a to-do list. Because... I don't pray so I can get into heaven. I get into heaven because of what Jesus already did. And Father, I recognize that when I come to you in prayer, I do it as a son. Father, I come to you as a child of your family. And Lord, I'm getting to spend time with my heavenly Father. It's not a to-do list thing. It's not something I have to march, uh, you know, scratch off my list of things that I got done today. No. And Paul understood that. That's why he was able to say, pray without ceasing. He didn't mean that you're supposed to be in your prayer closet 24 hours a day, calling out to God. But he meant that our life is lived in communion with you. That, Lord, we're living every day in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that you're as close as the very whisper of your name. And, Father, we thank you that that is true for each and every one of us here today. And, Father, we give you praise. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Worship team, thank you so much. Amen. Hallelujah. And can you guys turn around? Brandon gave us something besides purple up here on the stage this morning. Did you see that? I mean, come on. Woo! He's been coming in and learning how to use the lighting deck, and uh, him and his dad are trying to, his dad's trying to fix some of the lights that have burnt out because we we're missing some colors up on some of them. 
But uh, I'll tell you, it felt nice to not be all washed in purple this morning. It was, it was refreshing, and to see some colors fading in and out and everything, just fantastic. Thanks so much, Brandon. Awesome work. We're so grateful for that this morning. Amen. Well, how many are ready for uh, part two? All right. That's my incredible French for you this morning coming through. Uh, praise the Lord as we talk about the gifts of Holy Spirit. And this morning we look at the uh, second grouping of gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned last week, uh, we are talking about the fact that there are three different sets of gifts that are introduced in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Paul says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, different kinds of service, but the same Lord, different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men, Spirit, Lord, and God. He talks about Holy Spirit, Jesus Lord, and God the Father, and all three of them, and each of them working one of these sets in our lives in Scripture and talks to, uh, to us about that. And then at the end of uh, that passage, or sorry, there's the list. I put that up for you. And then at the end of that passage, he talks about um, how the verse, each of those gifts are used for the manifestation of, by Holy Spirit for the benefit of the body and that the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit, gives them as he determines. I think this is extremely important for us to bear in mind, and I'll, I'll give you that caution once more here this morning. As we go through these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, that these gifts are resident within the Holy Spirit, uh, so you don't go around saying, my gift is the gift of healing or my gift is the gift of miracles. They're within Holy Spirit, and he gives them as he determines. Amen? So the Holy Spirit looks at a situation, looks at a, a, a relationship, a connection that you have, and the Holy Spirit will give you that gift to operate in to meet the need that is required for that season or for that a circumstance. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit are. They're to empower us to be able to do His work at a specific time so that we can meet a specific need. Amen? Yeah. All right. I got to move along this morning, got a half an hour to get through a lot of material. So, we talked about last week the gifts of uh, revelation, the three gifts that we looked at were the gift of uh, the word of knowledge, I should say, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. And I won't go into talking about what all those are. If you weren't here last Sunday, what should you do? Go to YouTube and watch it. A little shameless plug for our YouTube channel. Go on there and you can watch uh, the service. In fact, you can go right back to the beginning of the year and you can find out all the stuff we've been talking about with respect to God's Holy Spirit, how he works in the church today, how the gifts are to be used today. Amen? Now, after the service last Sunday, Bob, who was already a celebrity up here this morning, Bob came up with a really good question. And Bob said to me, and sorry for throwing you under the bus here, Bob, but I, I'm sure you're all right. But he came up to me and he said, Pastor, he says, you know, I, I appreciate that. I'd love to want, I want to work in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to see gifts of, uh, you know, word of knowledge, uh, word of wisdom. But how do I know if that word that I'm sensing or that I feel is from the Lord, how do I know if it's from the Lord? I said, you know, that is an incredibly good question. And, uh, and I'm sure many of you were also thinking that very same question. Bob was just bold enough to come up and say, just help me out here. And I said, well, you know, he said, like, do you, when, when you get a word of knowledge, does God give, like, speak in an audible voice? And I said, I have never had God speak in an audible voice, as in the same as if my wife was in the other room and said, 
Kevin, get in here, that kind of voice. I've never had that kind of an audible voice. And maybe some of you have, I have not. But I, I sense the Spirit speaking into my spirit. And I'll, I'll have a sense of what it is that he wants me to say or to engage in or to do in my spirit. And people say, what does that feel like? What does that sound like? And how do I know? Let me tell you how you know. You know by practicing. It's interesting that the, the Bible gives these gifts to be used in the body, at least primarily, not exclusively, but primarily. And the reason they're to be used primarily in the body is that because in the context of the body is a safe place for us to learn to understand the voice and the heart of God. So when you feel that you've got something on your heart, God, maybe God's illuminated somebody, and you, you're looking at them, man, I just feel like I'm supposed to bring them a word of encouragement, and, and you're, you're saying, okay, Lord, and you're shaking your boots, and you walk up, and, and, and it's in the body, and you share with them, and they might go, wow, okay, I'll have to think about that. Then you might go, all right, maybe I didn't hear from you, God, but they might go, wow, I so needed to hear that. Guess what? Then you go, Oh, so that's what it's like when I'm hearing from the Lord. Do you see what I mean? And by literally working and working it out on one another and then giving honest feedback to one another, we learn how to hear the voice of God. Amen? Isn't it great that we have a safe place? So the first time you work on a word of knowledge, I wouldn't recommend you do it in the grocery store with the person in front of you. You know, they're standing there, and all of a sudden, you have some elaborate word about their third cousin's going to die and leave them a million-dollar inheritance. You might want to have worked on this a bit before you give that word in the grocery store. Now, if you're the person who's given a hundred words of knowledge before, and you've been spot on every time, then hallelujah for the person in front of you. Woo! They got a big day coming, right? But I suggest that you work on it in the body of Christ first. And I've had people bring me words and go, I don't know about that. And, and, and they go, really? Yeah, because I wasn't really sure either. And, and together, though, and I don't say that to them to condemn them, but to help them learn to recognize the voice of God. And, and guess what happens? They, they learn. And the other thing you can do is spend time in his word and in prayer. And also recognize that if it's not a word of encouragement, it's probably not from the Lord. Because the Bible is very clear that the gifts are for the edification of the body. So, you know, we used to get some people that would, had this lady in our church in, in Lindsay, and she would, she would have every once in a while these ecstatic words, and they were always condemning the body, you know. And so this happened two or three times, and then the pastor called her in, and, and we were sitting there as a pastoral staff, and just told her, like, you know, I appreciate that you feel that you're getting this from the Lord, but the next time you feel that happens, you know, you need to bring it to us, and we'll, we'll, we'll judge whether that's to be released to the body or not. She said, oh, I, I can't do that. When I get these words, I have, to, I have to speak them out. And we said, well, that's actually not scriptural, because the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, you know, you are able to say, I'm going to do it or I'm not. You can actually, and if it was the Lord, you, you can actually be guilty of quenching the spirit, you can actually be, be responsible and submit it to leadership. You can do these things, and God's not going to be angry with you for doing that. And so you can actually do that and bring it to the pastors, and then they might go, yeah, that's great. Go ahead and share that. But if they say, well, it's really not for now, that's a good thing. 
we had a season where we had a lot of conferences here and we'd have people come from far and wide and everybody had a word. And you could have, the service could be held captive by words for over an hour, right? And so we started just saying, if you have, if you have a word, bring it to myself or to Barry or to Todd or to Mark or one of the pastors. And, 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 and many times we'd hand them the mic and say, share it. Other times we'd just say, I don't think that's for right now. And it's an interesting way to test their spirit. If, they, if you say, it's, I don't think that's for right now, or maybe, and they get mad, it probably wasn't from the Lord, right? And so I encourage you to, to practice, you know, listening to the Lord. And when you feel you've got something, share it in the body of Christ. Encourage one another. And, and you're going to find that you're going to be able to hone in on when the Lord is speaking to you, and you're going to gain an understanding of how the gift is operating in your life, and you're going to be able to uh, see the Lord work through you in greater measure every day of your life. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but I want to be used by the Lord. I want the Lord to use me. I want, I want the Lord to be able to work through me. I want the Lord to be able to bring encouragement through me, to bring healing through me, to bring life through me. How many want that? Amen? I mean, we, we should want that. We should, the Bible says to earnestly desire the gifts, Right? earnestly. Everybody say earnestly. I don't know who earnest is, but I mean, we're supposed to, I, I, you know, I want the gifts like earnest wants them. Do you know what I'm saying? Earnestly desire the gifts. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. And so, anyway, I won't review what those gifts were from last week, because again, that was last week. Let's move on to this week. Today, we're going to talk about the gifts of power. The gifts of power. What are the gifts of power? There are three of the gifts that he listed in 1 Corinthians 12. The gift of faith, the gift of healing, and working of miracles. And these gifts provide extraordinary uh, powers to affect change in the lives of individuals and the circumstances of both uh, saints and those that don't know the Lord. But, but again, we, we practice and begin in these gifts in the body. And this morning at the end of the service... What I'm going to do is I'm going to have anybody that's got a need. If you need a healing, if you need a restoration, if you need uh, a breakthrough, if you need a financial deliverance, if you need uh, anything, we're going to have you come to the front, and we're going to have the body pray over one another. And, and we're just going to believe God for healing to be released and power to be released and miracles to be released through the body. Amen? Some people say, well, I need the pastor to pray over me. No, you don't. You just need another brother or sister to pray over you. Amen? You don't, need, you don't need myself to pray over you. You don't need Barry to pray over you. You don't need Mark to pray over you. You don't need, you know, even our, our spouses or some of the elders to pray over you, even though that's wonderful when we can get that. But what you need is just somebody who's going to believe God with you to pray over you. Amen? And ask God to bring a miracle in your life. And we're going to do that after the service. At the end of the service, it's going to be awesome. We don't, and, and so I ask you to prepare for it right now. Prepare your spirit to receive from the Lord. So let's look at the first one on this list. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. Now the gift of faith does, is not a reference to your, the faith of trusting in Christ as your Savior. I mean that, that is a believer's confession, believer's faith, trusting in Christ for salvation. But this is, is talking about a, a supernatural faith that comes upon us and enables us to do supernatural things. So if we can do it in the natural, right, it probably is not requiring the gift of faith. But there are many things that we encounter in our spiritual journey that we can't do in the natural. And we need faith 
to trust God, to believe God, to overcome. And sometimes other people need us to exercise that faith on their behalf as well. I think in Scripture of the guy who was a paralytic and his friends got up on the roof, right? And by faith, they tore open the roof and they lowered their friend on a stretcher in front of Jesus. And, you know, it wasn't the man on the stretcher's faith that was being activated. It was his friends who lowered him through the ceiling down to the Lord in the midst of a whole room full of people that were so crowded they couldn't get in any any other way. And then Jesus was able to respond to their faith and heal that man. And he picked up his mattress and he walked out of his own accord. Amen? Amen? How many know that's called a gift of faith? When you're willing to get up there and tear the roof apart of somebody's house that's not your house, so you can lower your friend down for Jesus to heal them, you're walking in some faith there. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that's what the gift of faith is. The gift of faith, by definition, is the gift is a supernatural endowment by the Holy Spirit, whereby that which is uttered or desired by man or spoken by God shall eventually come to pass. In other words, this is a faith that dares, a faith that expects great things from God. And there have been seasons in my life when I've had this kind of faith, when it's been operating, and seasons where I haven't had that kind of faith. And I've looked at a mountain and went, whew, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And I go home and say, honey, I don't don't know know how we're going to do this, right? But then other times, you know, just something rises up in me, and I have faith that it's going to be all right. How many have ever had that? Right? Where, where you just, someone brings a report to you and, and you're like, it's all negative, 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 but something rises up in you and you have faith and you're just able to speak to that situation and pray and bam, you know, you know that the issue settled, that it's no longer a problem. Amen? And uh, so this faith is not the faith that, oh, I believe in God faith. It is deeper than that. It is more expressive than that. It is something that is activated and comes upon us so that we can believe for something to happen specifically. Uh, Dennis Bennett says it this way. He said, this, the gift of faith is a sudden surge of faith, usually in crisis, to confidentially believe without a doubt that as we act or speak in Jesus' name, it shall come to pass. All right? And when we have that, when we operate in that gift of faith, we are able to bring other people up with us, right? So it can literally change the entire environment when we operate in the gift of faith. And we bring other people along with us. And there are so many circumstances in our life where we need this kind of faith. Jesus called it mountain-moving faith, right? And, uh, you know... Mountain-moving faith, where we're able to just see something, a circumstance or a situation just shift because we have faith that God is going to do it. This gift is the gift which enables us to see the impossible become possible because of God. What are some people, examples of people that have operated with the gift of faith? I think of George Mueller, who, uh, a German who goes to England and in the midst of, of the plague and all the rest of it, opens up in an orphanage where over 2,000 children are taken off the streets, and he believed, he operated in this kind of faith every day. It's, it's a shocking thing to read his testimony. If you've never read his biography, it's incredible. And he would go to the Lord, and he never asked a person for anything. He would only ask God. 
And he would get down and he would write extensive journals about all the things that they needed, 44 pairs of shoes, this much wheat, this much that. And, and as the things came in, he just went through and he kept checking them off. And his journals are, are you can see them if you go over to, uh, to Bristol, I believe it is England, they have them on display there. And you can see all of the things that he prayed and faith for and God brought them and he never asked anybody for any of those things. That is a gift of faith. Amen? Hudson Taylor obtaining 100 missionaries to evangelize uh, inland China. Faith. I mean, all throughout history of the church, you'll find men and women who have had a gift of faith and rose up and done supernatural things because of faith. Praise the Lord. It's because of that that the gift of faith often, often precedes the gifts of healing and working of miracles. Many times that gift of faith comes and rises up in our midst first, and then we see the manifestation of healing, and we see the manifestation of miracles. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's move on to the next one, because time's moving along on me. (laughs) Gift of healing. What is the gift of healing? Well, the gift of healing is distinct from the general provision of divine healing that God has provided for the church. I think this is important for us to understand. And many of you have heard me talk about this before, but I believe that God has created within the human body a divine ability to heal. So many times we attribute, well, the doctor did this for me, the doctor did that for me, but, you know, most times it's the body did it. At best, the doctor removed the obstacle to health, right? Our body just does it. Uh, many times I've had this experience, especially when I tend to be a klutz and I've cut myself uh, or broken my bones, right? In neither of those circumstances does the doctor actually heal me. You know, I, I was in Haiti and I managed to slice the tip of my thumb almost completely off. And uh, I went to this... I said to Bennett, I said, I got I to gotta go and get this sewed up. And he goes, oh, I think you should wait till you get back to Canada to get that sewed up. And I said, Bennett, I'm not heading home for four days. I said, I'll have, you know, gangrene in it before then. I said, we, I got, you got to find me a clinic and we'll get it sewed up. And he's like, okay. So we drive to this clinic and it's 125 degrees inside. And poor girl, she sews up my thumb with thread that looks like it came out of blue jeans and uh, gets it all sewed back up. But you know what? As imperfect as those circumstances were, what the doctor did was she removed the gap in my flesh. I had this gap, you know, where it was, and she sewed it back together. That's all she did. To this day, my thumb's healed. It's fine. Why? Because my body divinely stitched cell to cell uh, back together, and I healed. Many times in my life, I've broken bones. Uh, Again, a bit of a klutz. So I've I've broken my, my ribs, my nose twice, my ankle. I mean, I've had quite, I broke my wrist punching a kid in the head when I was in grade one. Uh, you know, all these different things that have happened to me. And every time, all the doctor did was set things back and realign them maybe or whatever. He's removing the obstacle to health. And then guess what my body did? Healed all by itself. I didn't have to 
take injections to make my bones heal. I didn't have to. The body just did it all by itself. God created us with regenerative power, divine healing, working and operating through our body all the time. And we as, as human beings are incredible specimens of God's incredible ingenuity that he has worked into our life. And the Bible has, says that even our healing is provided for in the atonement, for by his stripes we are healed. And, uh, you know, you can read about that, Isaiah 53, 5, 1 Peter 2, 24, James chapter uh, 5, verses uh, 14 and 15. Healing is ours because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And it's flowing and operating in every one of you. Many times below the surface, you don't even know what's happening every day. You don't have any idea how many things you've been healed from. But sometimes we come up against something foreign, something whether it's an attack of the enemy or, or, or whatever, and it's operating and, and, and it doesn't seem to be moving and it doesn't seem to be anything that the doctors seem to be able to do or whatever. And we need divine intervention in a, for a specific need. That's where the gift of healing comes in, right? It's not really the gift of healing when you stub your toe and, it, and your toe gets better. I mean, it's just going to do that anyway. But, you know, it's a gift of healing when, when, you know, you've got this tumor and the doctors say that that tumor, there's nothing they can do about it, but then it's gone. That is a gift of healing, seeing that thing vanquished in the name of Jesus. Amen? Does everybody follow what I'm saying? Like if, if Pastor Mark was to grow hair tomorrow, that's the gift of healing operating right there in his life. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark, I just couldn't help it. I was just looking down there this morning. I said, I need an illustration. The Lord said, there it is, right there. Go for it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, John Holcroft explained healing this way. He said, in other words, the Spirit confirms the anointing of a particular individual through the gift of healing, and it's primarily for the benefit. Listen to this. He says, it's for the benefit of the minister as well as for the healed. What does he mean by that? Well, one of the things about the gift of healing is that it identifies somebody as a servant of the Lord. And that's why you'll often see the gift of healing being used by evangelists. God will work through them, the gift of healing, so that signs and wonders are performed and people will be able to go that the message this man is bringing or this woman is bringing is from God. You heard what I'm saying this morning? And so that's why you'll often see this gift operating in connection with the gift of evangelism, in gift of evangelism. Uh, Donald G. defines the gift of healing like this. He says, and I think I have that up here. He said, it appears to be a spiritual gift, especially connected with the ministry of the evangelist and granted to those called to fill that office. It often gave the apostles an open door in their evangelistic work, as, for instance, the healing of the father of, of, of Publius in uh, Acts 28, 8-10, and many others many other instances in Scripture. You could have the, the healing of the lame man at the temple gate by Peter, Acts 3, the healing of the sick on beds in the street by Peter, Acts 5, 15, resuscitation of Tabitha by Peter in Acts 9, the healing of the lame man by Paul in Acts 14, a res uh, res resuscitation, I should say, of Eutychus after he fell out of the window, remember that? And uh, in Acts chapter 20, Paul's freedom of illness after being bit by the viper, Acts 28. I mean, over and over and over again, when as the New Testament uh, apostles, evangelists went out with the gospel, the gift of healing accompanied them and demonstrated the power of God to bring health and strength in that situation supernaturally. Supernaturally. 
Praise the Lord. A number of years ago, Reinhard Bonnke began his ministry in Africa. And he operated in the gift of faith when he went and rented a 20,000-seat auditorium and nobody knew who Reinhard Bonnke was or anything else. They'd never even heard of him. But he rented by faith a 20,000-seat auditorium. And the first night of the crusade, 100 people showed up. Imagine this. You've got a 20,000-seat auditorium. There's 100 people there. And you're like, wow, that's small. You're right. There's over 200 here this morning. There was 100 people there. And right here in Bonk, he said, he, in the gift of faith, he stood up, he began to preach, and he began to be- believe, and he brought people forward, and he began to operate in the gift of healing. And, and many, many people got healed. By the end of the week, the auditorium was full. Because the gift of faith caused him to book the auditorium, but the gift of healing accompanied uh, the ministry that he was doing, and people saw God do supernatural things in their life, and they went and got their friend and said, look, my leprosy's gone. Look, my leg is healed. Look at this. And the people go, oh, I got to go see what's going on over there. And people showed up. And if you know Reinhard Bonnke's ministry, nobody has ministered to more people and seen more people come to Christ in Africa than Reinhard Bonnke. Literally, crusades where 100,000 people are pressing in to receive from the Lord. Entire nations shifted and transformed by the power of the gospel. Amen? Praise the Lord. So when, when we uh, receive a word of the Lord and we go pray for something, we believe for that miracle of healing, and that person is healed. When that person is healed, it's a testimony to God. Because they were healed, God did something supernaturally outside of the power of nature to have happen in their life. Amen? Last one, working miracles. You say, well, what's, well, how's that any different than healing? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you. The working of miracles. The word miracles in Scripture is translated from the word dunamis. Dunamis. And the word dunamis is literally where we get the word dynamite from. The word dunamis means power. So when Paul's talking about the, the working of miracles, he's talking about the working of power. The working of power. Uh, the, the word is literally synonymous with the working of power. It describes uh, supernatural power uh, or in supernatural intervention in a situation. And, and men judge an event to be a miracle when it transcends their understanding of the normal operations of nature. So it's anything that goes beyond the normal operation of nature. Again, uh, Horton says this. A miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of the system of nature as we know it. Such such events are normal to God, but to humans they are miracles. Don't you love that? Normal to God. Because how many know that God's not limited by nature? Nature is restricted by God not the other way around. He created it. Right? He created. So it is subject to him, not the other way around. Are you hearing me? So when a, a miracle takes place, it's something that is out of the natural order of things. And there are many instances of this in Scripture. But when Jesus took a little boy's lunch and he fed 5,000 people from it, that's a miracle. How many know... Ladies, no matter how talented you are, you can't feed 5,000 people with just, you know, 12 loaves and a few fish. Man, I know you're good, but not quite that good, all right? You're hearing me. And that when they 
took the, and gathered up the, the remains afterwards, 12 baskets full of scraps that people weren't able, not able to finish. That is a miracle, right? That's example in the scripture of a miracle. Um, <clears throat> you know, when Philip gets transported, teleported, like beam me up, Scotty, and move from one place to another so that he can minister to the eunuch. I mean, you know, that is a miracle. That, that's not the normal course of events taking place there. That is something that can't be explained naturally. It's not something you can go, wow, well, I, I see that what they did was they cut the fish into little small pieces, and everybody only ate this little bit. No, no, how did you get the 12 baskets afterwards? Oh, that's, that is a problem, you know? No, it's outside of the natural. And the working of miracles covers all kinds of incredible things that God does. We've seen when you get a financial breakthrough that you couldn't possibly achieve it on your own. When you only make $60,000 a year and you have a revenue in that year of $120,000 and your debt's paid off, how many know that's a miracle? Because as far as I know, there's no place where you could have invested that $60,000 and it was $120,000 in that uh, situation and you're able to just pay off the debt and it's done. My wife and I have seen supernatural financial breakthroughs so many times that I've lost count. God is so good. And when, so when you see a financial miracle, that's a, a, a miracle. When you see, uh, you know, multiplication, whether it's of our assets or, or of our needs, that's a miracle. When you see breakthrough and somebody was so stubborn and opposed to the kingdom and then their life is changed and transformed, that's the miracle of God breaking through. You couldn't do it, but God does it. Amen? That's the miracle working power of God. And so there is a gift of faith. Faith causes us to rise up and to trust God in this circumstance and say, I'm going to believe God for a breakthrough here. And then there's the gift of healing where God supernaturally operates outside of the normal course of your body healing by the power of God and does something removing a cancer, healing this you know, disease over here, getting rid of that, getting rid of this. That is a divine healing. And then we have the working of miracles, where God comes along and He does in a situation what no person could do. He steps in and He does. And, and, and I believe that God is not finished operating in these gifts in the church. You can look historically, and every move of God historically has been accompanied by healing and by faith by miracles. It is evidence that God is at work. Amen? And if all we have is a relationship with God, that'd be enough for us. But probably not necessarily enough to attract everyone else. Right? But if we have a relationship with a God who intervenes in time and space continuously, working out healings and miracles. That's not only good for us, that's good for everybody else. And they're going to go, wow, that's the God you serve and you keep talking about? I want a relationship with Him too. Amen? And that's the kind of God that we serve. Now, people say to me, Pastor, I don't understand why in this situation God didn't do this or that. And I'm going to stand right there with you and say, I don't understand either. I have, 
I have seen the supernatural. I have seen miracles both here and overseas numerous times. And I've also had times when I've prayed and and the thing that I prayed for, the thing I was believing God for, did not happen. I'd love to be able to stand up here and say that every single time I've prayed for somebody to be healed or whatever that it has transpired. That, wouldn't be, that would be a lie if I told you that. However, I can tell you that more often than not, what we believe for happens. And when it doesn't, and when it doesn't, I simply have an ability to trust God that he's either got something coming down the road or that he has some way he's going to bring glory out of this circumstance that I presently can't see, but God is going to do. And I've witnessed that multiple times in my life as well. And so the fact that, uh, you know, I've had not every person I've ever prayed for has, has experienced the healing or the miracle that I've asked God for, it doesn't stop me from continuing to ask, Right? Because I believe that God has said to me, just trust me, trust me, and I, I am trustworthy. And one of our problems is that we measure eternity in our 75, 80 years that we've got here. God does not. For us, it's a concept that's too difficult to grasp, so we measure it in the light of this this time. And so... We get so focused on the immediate that we miss the fact that for God, it isn't just about these 80 years or whatever we have here. It's about the infinite number of years that we have with Him to enjoy His love and His peace and His grace. And so many of the things that that derail us don't derail Him at all. He's got it covered. He's got it figured out. And if we would sit back and trust in that God, who has it all figured out. That for him, the years that we have here are like a, a breath to God, and then we're in his presence. And if we would live our lives with one foot firmly planted here and the other one in eternity, and we're bringing the things of eternity over into this realm, and we lived our lives that way, bringing uh, the supernatural into the natural for whatever amount of time we have here on earth, we could turn the world upside down. Are you hearing me? Do you know that most of the disciples never even got to see their 40th birthday? They were martyred for the kingdom of God. And yet they ripped a hole through the Roman Empire with the glory of God like you cannot imagine. A wise person once said, it's not how many years you put in, it's what you put in the years that makes a difference. Amen? And I don't know how many years I've got. I've had 60 great years. Maybe I'll have 60 more. I don't know if I'd take those odds, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll have 60 more. But for me, it's immaterial. What matters is what I put in the years. I look at what I've put in the 60 years, and it's been pretty good. I want the next 60 to be even better. Amen? Amen. And by faith, I want to see God do great and wondrous things. Amen? Amen? I don't want to just play church. I want to see a supernatural release of God. I don't want to just be the the guy who stands up and talks and and prays for people. I want to see a church full of people that are laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, that are preaching the gospel, seeing miracles, seeing people's lives transformed, that doing it in places that, quite frankly, I can't even get into. That's my desire. That's my passion. I want you to stand with me this morning.
when miracles begin happening, people begin to take notice. When miracles are happening, people take notice. When anything happens outside of, it's not what people expect, people take notice. You know, just recently we had uh, some Christian people got together and decided to make a movie about the Jesus Revolution, right? It took place in the 70s. And it was a great movie. They put it out. And, uh, you know, they were saying, well, it would be great if we ended up seeing enough money to come in from the movie to be able to make some more. And they were, they were hoping for $15 million and And uh, the opening weekend, it had over $35 million And the movie made over $50 million and climbing. I don't know how much it's been at now. And the, the opening weekend, it outdid uh, Steven Spielberg's movie about, that was released the same weekend about his, when he was a kid, you know, I don't remember what the movie was called. Uh, it, 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 that and 80 for Brady, a bunch of a movie about Lily Tomlin and, and uh, Jane Fonda chasing Tom Brady all over the, the States. You know, some, a couple other silly movies that came out at the same time, and it made more than all of them put together in, in the opening weekend. And I thought to myself, why is that, Lord? I said, because despite all of the stuff that Hollywood clamors after, people are still hungry for the supernatural. And when that kind of thing happens, people take notice. And that movie got people's attention. Even people that are not Christians were like, hmm, it was actually a pretty good movie. I was actually moved. You know, I read a bunch of reviews from people that weren't Christians, and they, they really enjoyed it. And the point is that, you know, somebody had to step out in the gift of faith to make it in the first place. And then the miracles start happening, right? Somebody stepped out in the gift of faith, and then they had movie theaters where people were repenting and getting right with God right in the movie theater, people laying hands on one another and praying, and God was doing things. Why? Because somebody stepped out in faith first, and then the other gifts were able to follow, right? So this morning, the first thing we need is a gift of faith. I'm going to encourage you this morning. We're going to close here in, in, in prayer. We're going to open these altars up. If you've got a need in your life, or you know somebody who has a need in their life, and God's stirring faith in your heart this morning to see that need met, I want you to come forward. It could be for healing. It could be for some kind of a breakthrough. It could be for restoration. It could be for anything. It doesn't matter. Come forward and stand here this morning, and we would like to agree with you in prayer. So I'm just going to invite you right now. Just come. If you've got a need and you want to see God meet it by faith, just come right on up to this, plate, to this altar right now. Don't, don't be slow. Don't be shy. We don't want to belabor this thing. Just get yourself up here, and we're going to believe with you. Come on. Move in nice and tight so people can get in. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Jeff, could you come on up to the keyboard for me, please? First thing we need is we need the gift of faith. We need to believe and trust God to do something supernatural in our circumstance, in our situation. We need to exercise that faith in God and trust in Him and look to Him. Because the circumstance, the mountain you're facing is probably, you're here because it's probably too big to see met in any other way. And if God doesn't do it, it's not likely going to happen. And so we recognize that we need God to do this. We need God to do something. Amen? And so we're here today, we're exercising the gift of faith. Just come on up here, guys, because I'm going to have other people come in behind you here in a minute. So don't be shy here. 
Get close to me. I bathed this morning. It's good. Well, I lied. I showered this morning. But, uh... All right, now I'm like, if, if, if you're here this morning and you want to uh, agree with these people and you want to pray with them, then I want you to come on up right now and we're going to just, where's the body? We're going to work together this morning to see supernatural miracles take place. So come on up and lay hands on people. Don't be shy. Uh, if you're a person who is, you know, uh, you don't have to be a super Christian. You just need to be somebody who believes in the supernatural, that kind of Christian. So I want you to come on up here and stand with people. Fill this place, fill this altar this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, I realize in a group this big, there's, there's needs here this morning that nobody can meet except God. And I know there's probably needs here this morning that you've called out to God before and they haven't been met yet. And you're, and you're in a place where you're saying, Lord, I don't understand. And I'm right there with you saying, I don't understand when sometimes that doesn't happen. But it hasn't changed the fact that I've seen God do so many things that I keep coming back to him over and over again. And that's why they call it a miracle. Because when it happens... It doesn't make any sense, and it's outside of the natural. It's supernatural. It's miraculous. It is God. And we're going to believe God to do great things. And if you've come up here and laid your hands on somebody this morning, then I want you to just begin right now to just pray for that person that you've come on up and laid hands on and you've agreed with this morning. Just begin to pray with them. Begin to just pray God would do a miracle in their life. You don't even have to know what it is. Just begin to pray. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you got that heavenly language, just begin to pray in that this morning. Just begin to agree with God to meet the need that they're standing here with faith this morning, trusting you for in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, mighty God. Oh, mighty Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, mighty God. Hallelujah, mighty Lord. Praise you, mighty Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come to you this morning, and we lay hands on these people that have come in faith today and said, God, I need you. I need your healing. I need your restoration. I need your breakthrough. I need your provision. I need you, Father. And only you can fix this situation. Only you, Lord, and your supernatural power can transform this circumstance, can transform this body, can bring healing, can bring a miracle, can bring a transformation. God, it's only you. And we stand here together, Lord. And we, Father, lend our faith and our agreement to those that have come today. And we're believing God for you right now in Jesus' name to bring about a power, a Father, a transforming work, a healing, a miracle in Jesus' name. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. And Father, we know that God, you and you alone are the one that can do it. We're not up here this morning because we need something that God, we could do on our own. We're here this morning because we need something that you can do. Only you can do. Father, only you can provide. And we're here to agree together for that this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, mighty God. Hallelujah. Now you that are here this morning to receive, I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord. Just raise your hands to God. Raise your hands to God this morning and just trust, lean into him, trust him this morning for the transforming work. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit today who equips us and enables us to be able to do what we cannot do on our own. And Father, as we 
end the service this morning, and, and I'm going to pray with people, and Pastor Mark, and then we're going we're gonna to pray with people, and before they go to their seats, and just ask God for transformation and a miracle, Lord, we thank you for all those that are agreeing with them right now in faith. And Father, I believe that the Bible says if we will get the people of God together, the prayer of faith will heal the sick, and they shall recover. And Father, we're believing for financial breakthroughs and Lord restorations and God healing of relationships and so much more here at this altar today. And Father, we're trusting you for it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this great day. For those watching today, Father, we just bless them and we thank you, Father, for them. We look forward to next weekend as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter and we ask you, Lord, to give us an incredible week in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.